Between the bright lights and temptations of Hollywood, how does one navigate their own spiritual journey? We follow the Ken Commandments on this episode of Live Happy Now. The ancient Greeks defined happiness as the joy you feel moving towards your potential. To think about positive psychology, it's a science, and it's actually younger than the internet, believe it or not. The reality is that social connection is, in the research, the greatest predictor we have of long-term happiness. You have some factors in your control that can promote the health and resilience and growth of your absolutely most important asset, which is your brain. And so it all comes down to understanding ourselves. There's a way for all of us to succeed, but, but it might take different things. We're all looking for the same thing, and that's a way to bring a little bit more joy to our day. Join us as we look at the many different paths that lead us to that happy place. This is Live Happy Now. Hello and greetings and welcome to another edition of the Live Happy Now podcast. I'm your host, J.R. Houston. Please, that you are making us a part of your day wherever you are in the world, however you may be listening. We're just glad that you are joining us on whatever beautiful day you are choosing to join us. We have got uh, a fine program here today. We're going to be talking with Ken Baker. But first, I want to remind you of Live Happy Radio and Live Happy Magazine. Live Happy Radio airs each and every Sunday morning at 8 o'clock Central Time. It airs on 98.7 K Love in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex. It also airs worldwide on radio.com. So, uh, you know, adjust your clocks accordingly and maybe talk to your local radio producers. Say, hey, here's a great show. You should put it on. And then they will. And then you don't have to get up and get on the internet every week. But you still totally should. Uh, also, Live Happy Magazine is available. New issues come out each uh, couple of months there, bi-monthly. And you can get it wherever fine magazines are sold, like uh, Barnes & Noble. You can also get a digital edition that's available on the Google Play and on the Apple Store. But our guest this week is a fun one. His name is Ken Baker. He's a Los Angeles-based senior correspondent for E! News and has worked in entertainment news for more than 20 years. And in between interviews with A-list celebrities and the land of fairy tales and double-dealing, Ken came to realize his spiritual cup was evaporating and it was up to him to fill it back up again. His new book is The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood, and it reveals a world that's deeper and more God-centered than many of us may even imagine. Ken, first of all, uh, thank you for joining us. I imagine as a senior Los Angeles correspondent for E! News, you don't have a whole lot of time, so we're glad that you're giving what free time you have to us. Well, I took the day off just so I could talk to you. Well, that's <laughs> that's great, because I'm sure the news never stops out there. Again, the book, The Ken Commandments, My Search for God in Hollywood, and uh, it's a fantastic read. It's a really interesting journey that you go on throughout this book, and I wanted you to start out by sharing the uh, a moment that I would not have thought would have started this journey for you, but the moment that really got you going uh, and ended up uh, with this book coming out? Well, like all worthy spiritual pilgrimages, mine began in Las Vegas. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's where joke. you go. Yeah. A joke. <laughs> it's a joke, but it's actually true. Well, yeah, if you lose uh, yeah. all your money, you're going to be asking God for some help out there in the desert. But <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. So going back to this, it goes back about two years. We'll go back into the Hollywood time machine and E! News, as you said, where I'm a correspondent, sent me to Las Vegas because the sad chain of events that led to Lamar Odom, the former NBA player who also was the husband of Khloe Kardashian, the reality star from E! Um, he had gotten into a really bad place in his life, was doing drugs, was at a brothel, uh, had been living this carnal, really isolated, dangerous, addictive existence and uh, ended up falling into a coma after uh, a long night of partying and 
people weren't sure if he was going to make it out. Uh, I was sent there. That's part of my job is to just kind of get up and go. And uh, oftentimes it is covering tragedy, and that's the nature of the news business, mm -hmm. uh, for good or bad. And it, it's an interesting time in my life. Uh, again, this was some two years ago. At this point in my life, I was, uh, you know, very much, you know, on my uh, daily grind, as you mentioned, with covering Hollywood. I've been doing it since 1996, worked at People Magazine, Us Weekly, uh, written pretty much a book every other year since 2001. Uh, you know, we have about to have a movie uh, based on one of my memoirs uh, come out very soon. And I'm a dad of two kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, and I got all this stuff. I'm juggling family life, work life, creative life. Needless to say, I was uh, at my breaking point and didn't realize it. I was in Vegas. I uh, stayed up all night to get there. And uh, I was talking to a member of the family of the Kardashians who had flown to Vegas to be with Lamar because he was essentially a member of the extended family. And I said, you know, hey, is there anything I can do? I was getting information. I was reporting the story. But I, you know, I'm friendly with that family and have known them for some 10 years. And, and uh, this family member said, uh, pray for Lamar. Hmm. And I stopped and I was just completely frozen. And it hit me that I couldn't remember the last time I prayed, couldn't remember the last time I meditated, couldn't remember the last time, uh, let alone pray, just even talked to God as if God was a force or some sort of cosmic entity that existed. And it was a real eye-opener for me. And I then got on my knees and prayed. And uh, that's, the, uh, that's the story that I tell in the Ten Commandments, because what started there was a journey where I realized, wow, I really need to have spirituality in my life, but what do I believe? And I became determined that I would spend at least the next year, it turns out it's going to be the rest of my life, but <laughs> I didn't want it to be too, I didn't, I didn't want it to be too daunting of a task. Sure. Uh, that I just dedicated myself at minimum to spend the next year of my life trying to discover and define my spiritual faith and to get a system in place that uh, would at least begin a relationship with my spiritual self. And that's what I tell in the book. I kind of looked at this project as in the same way that I don't know about you, but I'm one of those guys who always loses the keys to his car. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, I don't know what it is. Uh, you know, I don't know if it's a guy thing. I, I haven't really analyzed it. I'm sure there's some studies. It that, might be because uh, I do the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I, I clearly lose my keys a lot. And uh, But what is the one thing you always do when you lose your keys? I, I don't know about you, but I always just think back to, okay, where was I the last time I remember having them? Yep. Um, and so for me, the last time I remember having a real good sense of spirituality was in the early days when I moved to Los Angeles from the East Coast. You know, I'd go to church, uh, studied Buddhism, mostly from an academic perspective. I was very interested in Eastern spirituality in college and kind of continued that. I was very open-minded, would read a lot. And then it just stopped, and I didn't really have an explanation for it other than I'm too busy. I became determined to find the key to my unlocking my <laughs> dormant spirituality in the place that I lost it, which was Hollywood. And that's uh, 
how the book came about. And that's uh, certainly not a place that people, I think, would normally associate a, the beginning of a spiritual journey, like maybe maybe in the Himalayas somewhere or in the mountains or Amish country uh, somewhere. I don't know. But uh, it's it's very interesting. And it led you on quite a journey. You met a wide range of, of people, uh, you know, from, from spiritual counselors to uh, actors and actresses themselves who have kind of gone on, on sort of these things. Who are some of the more interesting people that, that you met as you made? this journey to write this book well i would say first of all that um when i embarked on it it really was a personal journey of faith mm-hmm. uh, that i was going on and it wasn't meant to be a survey of popular american religion if it rang true to me if it drew me and it was something that I could access through my workplace of uh, the Hollywood industrial complex, then I would pursue it. And what I soon discovered is when I started to pay attention, there was a lot of uh, spiritual pursuits and practices taking place all around me. And uh, one of them was right in my own office in the newsroom at E, one of our longtime hosts, Jason Kennedy, he's a longtime, mm-hmm. you know, devout Christian, and uh, he had started this Bible study in Hollywood years ago, and he'd always invited me. Oh, Ken, you should come. You should come. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I got to go to hockey practice, take the kids to this, that. You know, yeah. I got to go home. I live all the way right. I always had an excuse not to sit and actually kind of sit with the Bible and sit and learn and and uh, experience that. I had been raised Catholic and was like, eh not so into it anymore. It's kind of archaic. It doesn't speak to me. Uh, So, but with this new project, I thought, well, you know, I have to be open. I have closed myself off. And where has it gotten me? It's gotten me feeling listless, lost, directionless, and feeling hollow. And I need to be open. And so I became open to everything. And one of the first things I did was I went to this Bible study that's in Beverly Hills, uh, that's run by Jason Kennedy, along with his pastor, this guy, Judah Smith. Judah Smith is in his mid-30s. He's a real young energy. He's a hip guy. He dresses way hipper than I do, and I'm on E every night. And he's <laughs> close to where. Um, uh, but he speaks the language of the generation, and he particularly speaks very directly and relatably to that Hollywood crowd. And he's gotten quite the celebrity following. I was at a Bible study one Wednesday night and Gwen Stefani was there. Another night, Selena Gomez was there. Justin Bieber uh, had come many times. And so he's one of those guys who uh, he takes scripture and he really just brings it right into your face, right into the moment to your life. And that was really refreshing for me. Uh, Mm -hmm. But of course, as I write in the book, I wasn't ready to sit there and say, okay, that's the word of God. I take it. I'm born again. Uh-uh-uh. My journey was a lot more circuitous than that. And it took me into places that I didn't expect. And one of the major influences on me, uh, and you, you see it in the book, is I was fortunate enough to spend a week at the Chopra Center with Deepak Chopra. Mm-hmm. And again, another lesson in being open-minded and open-hearted and the, the transformation that can take place within yourself when you do that. I had always looked at Deepak Chopra as yeah, sort of, I guess, more of an entertainer. <laughs> yeah. He seemed to, it liked to be on TV and he was Oprah's best friend and 
you know, well, who's this guy selling millions of books and driving, you know, Mercedes? And, you know, I just like, eh, it, I, I brought a lot of bias to it. And, uh, and I don't know, there's just something about that, that branding of, oh, that's new agey. Yeah. Um, and, and I just didn't really, I, I was just one of the many things uh, that I closed myself off to for years. And, uh, but because I was in this awakening period of discovery and self-exploration, I said, you know what, I'm going to go all in. I read a bunch of his books. I signed up to do one of these retreats, uh, that aren't cheap. Yeah. <laughs> it's a couple thousand bucks from what I remember, maybe more. Uh, and I spent a week down in San Diego at the Chopra center and I learned a lot. Uh, he's very hands-on at those retreats, uh, but one, one, the one big thing that I took away was that I learned his form of mantra meditation called primordial sound meditation. And for those of you who don't know much about it, uh, it's essentially uh, very similar to transcendental meditation, uh, which Deepak was uh, in the 80s was very much involved with the TM movement mm -hmm. uh, and then branched off and developed his own and it's a very simple, beautiful mantra-based meditation practice with uh, roots in Hinduism that I, to this day, practice every day. Now, I say that, and I'm like, oh, maybe I'll miss a day here and there, uh, but I really <laughs> do. And to be honest with you, of all the experiences I had, I've taken a lot of value from all the different things I did, even spending a day at Scientology in the Los Angeles headquarters. There's something about it that I did take away. I was, I was able to glean uh, some you know, very valuable insights, even with a bad experience. And we can talk about my Scientology experience, but nevertheless, uh, the primordial sound meditation that I practice is at the core of my spiritual practice that I do every day uh, at 20 minutes a day in the morning, sometimes more. And, you know, Deepak Chopra, I have to say, was just and was and is an incredible teacher for me and, a, and an inspiration. And he's been on our podcast and magazine. And, and it's, it's interesting that you brought it up the way you did, because I think a lot of people, when you when you kind of see him and you kind of see what he does and, the, and those things and you do, like you said, you kind of go into it with a lot of bias when you're getting ready to talk to him. You're like, OK, is this guy for real? Is he doing it for money? Is he a huckster or something like that? But the more you at least, like you said, open yourself up to the things that he's talking about, the better off you're going to be on your journey. And I, th I think it's great that you went into it with that mindset and came out of it with the mindset that you now have. Yeah, the book is called The Ken Commandments. So, of course, the chapters I've broken down as commandments. Uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, and and the chapter that's dedicated to my experience with Deepak is called "The Guru Wears Prada," and <laughs> and you know and and you know, and really, I mean, look, Deepak would be the first to tell you that he doesn't take himself very seriously, and really, that is an important tenet, right? Of mm -hmm. of uh, a sound meditation practice is that to lose your ego and to focus on the stillness and to climb into what Deepak calls the gap, you know, that space between our thoughts where we can approach that feeling of bliss and joy and happiness and contentment. And the biggest blessing for me and that I've come to realize through 
my meditation practice. And, you know, this comes after uh, years ago, you know, being in a state of depression, clinically speaking, where mm-hmm. I went on antidepressants and, and I had a lot of anxiety. So then I'm on anti-anxiety pills and, and it was getting me nowhere, you know, at all. And to now have these tools that not only function uh, on a practical level to uh, as a utility to calm me, um, to give me clarity, but also that gives me a sense of being in touch with, I guess, let's call it God. Um, and I know mm-hmm. God, that word, there's a lot of baggage that comes with that word. Uh, so whether you call it, you know, the force, you call it the ultimate being, uh, whatever word you have for it, and all cultures and religions have different words to describe it, but I think we all know what it means. Mm-hmm. And for me, the, the meditation practice is the core of getting in touch with that aspect of the existence because it is the place where I can turn off all my busy thoughts, all my worries, all my concerns and neuroses and ego-driven <laughs> desires and just be, and I am so grateful for it. I'm filled with so much gratitude. And to be honest with you, I couldn't say that two or three years ago. I wasn't, I wasn't there. And, uh, and you know, and my hope is that people will read it and say, gosh, well, um, they can take away some lessons themselves, you know? And, um, yeah. and for me, yeah, it's very privileged. I, I'm a journalist. I was able to gain access to a lot of little corners of the world that are fascinating and, and dedicated myself to doing it. And not everyone has the time to do that, you know, <laughs> or yeah. the, the resources or the resources to travel around and go to all these things and people have busy lives. And, and uh, so I feel very honored that I was able to do that and share it with, with readers. And again, the book is uh, called The Ken Commandments, and there's so much more. I, I really want people to get the book. It's so very good. We've got a copy of it right here that I've I'm, I'm been kind of flipping through and trying to keep up with your stories. I don't want to give too much away, uh, but you mentioned uh, the, the time with Judah Smith. You mentioned the time with Deepak Chopra. But there's also some, some times that you uh, go into other practical applications for this, including your uh, conversation, Taryn Manning from uh, Orange is the New Black, and and kind of going from her deep uh, depths of situations where she was and how she's trying to lift herself up through meditation. I really like how you take these practices and, and show us practical ways that they've helped you and others. I mean, let's face it, celebrities can get a bad rap. Uh, they can be criticized for being uh, materialistic and superficial and narcissistic and all the cliche values that come with being a figure in Hollywood. And we all know what they are. Mm-hmm. And I've been covering it. I've been covering the world for 21 years. And I will, I'm here to tell you breaking news. You will find a lot of that in this town. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and a lot of it is because that is the nature of, of show business of, of, uh, of being an entertainer. And there's always going to be an element of that, but amid all that narcissistic materialistic madness, what I found were many, many people dedicated to finding deeper meaning and purpose in their daily lives. And one thing you mentioned, Taryn Manning, the actress, she's uh, had a lot of personal troubles. Just Google Taryn Manning legal troubles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I came across her and, and um, you know, I was working on a story that was involving her and we got to talking about uh, meditation 
And that was definitely a trend in my investigation, as it were, in my spiritual investigation was that the issue of spirituality kept popping up. Uh, I'm sorry, not spirituality, of meditation in particular. And, uh, yeah, the, the chapter um, with Taryn is called Breath is the New Black. Um, because it really is trendy in a way. Um, I happen to think it's a positive trend that uh, is doing people a lot of good. But, you know, whether it's Jerry Seinfeld promoting TM or Katy Perry or, you know, Ellen DeGeneres or, yeah, I mean, there's all these huge, huge celebrities who are pushing the whole meditation movement. Um, I think it's, it's tremendous. And, and I think it's when celebrities are able to use their platform to promote a lot of ideas that are healthful. I think that's celebrity at its best. And, you know, I hope that my shining a light on this world and pursuits and the personal impact that it had on me will be part of that because yeah. I think that there's a lot of value. There's a lot of potential that, uh, you know, being a celebrity and being a public figure has to really impact and touch people. Yeah, in a, in a positive way, uh, for sure. You know, a lot of people, when they hear about, you know, I'm going to go on this journey of meditation, you're like, oh, my goodness, I can't do that. I can't sit in this room, and I can't, you know, I can't shut off my brain. I can't shut off my thoughts. You found an app, right, that that can help people to uh, to, to work up to these things? Yeah, one of the, one of the big influences on me was uh... – you know, look, I'm always on my phone. I'm talking to you on my phone right now. Right, uh, yeah. When we, hang up, when we hang up, I'll probably go back on my phone. Uh, that is the, the reality of our, day, our modern day, our lives right now is that the phone is central. And, you know, these wonderful technologies, these applications that we can get on our mobile phones, there's been a proliferation of spirituality apps, of meditation apps. And uh, I've discovered a few of them. And in the book, uh, I had heard about this app, Headspace, from someone I've worked with for many years, Ryan Seacrest. And I've been a part of the co-hosted with him on E! before he left and has always been part of his radio show. And, and he had mentioned something about Headspace. And he was trying to meditate. And he was like, I can't. You know, it's so hard. Yeah. Um, and I was like, yeah, I want to give this a try. And uh, so I downloaded it. And uh, this was before meeting Deepak, but it really, you know, I, it really got me to formalize a process of sitting down, being still, and focusing on my breath. A very simple, uh, you know, type of vipassana uh, meditation that's taught on the app by this former uh, Zen monk, Andy Puttacom. I think he's done a tremendous job with his team of putting together uh, some great meditations. They're all guided. And uh, certainly was a big part of my journey. And, you know, recently he went on the Jimmy Fallon show and actually meditated live with Jimmy Fallon and the entire <laughs> aud uh, studio audience. And it was like, wow, we are definitely Hollywood has embraced meditation because they are taking valuable two minutes of their airtime to just sit there <laughs> and be still. And I was so psyched to see that. And uh, I, I think I think we're heading in the right direction in a lot of ways. Well, that's really that's really great. I'm excited to hear that. And another thing I was really excited about is we were getting ready to do this. And I saw this just as, as I was wrapping up my my reading and research here is that you have founded the Mindful Writing Center. And as people who uh, produce a magazine uh, every couple of months, uh, I think we could probably find some use for this. But what is the Mindful Writing Center? Yeah, MindfulWritingCenter.com. Uh, I started there because I really 
believe that writing is a, a tremendous tool for not only self-realization and understanding, but also connecting with the world. And, mm -hmm. and I feel as though the techniques of mindfulness and meditation, um, when applied to the act of writing and communicating, can be really, really powerful. And so on mindfulwritingcenter.com, I have a series of classes that I've created, very cheap. <laughs> and uh, it's just a way for people who are seeking to connect, whether it's, you know, being be able to get through writer's block, or they just want to keep a journal, or they're racked with self-doubt and fear and self-criticism, and, you know, really learning to replace that with fearlessness, self-compassion, openness, optimism, uh, mindfulness, and, and the self-awareness to be able to access the deepest parts of you and share them. I feel like I've been very blessed. I've been able to write 10 books. And I have a gift, but I also realize that I've worked on that and I've worked to improve it. And I use a lot of these techniques of, of, of mindfulness without even before I even knew that's what it was called, of how to access that deeper part of your creativity. Uh, so that's why I started MindfulWritingCenter.com. And, yeah, I hope people can check it out. I hope they, they take something away from it. There's a few classes there. We'll be putting up more as we go along, as I get more time. But celebrities keep me so busy. But uh, <laughs> I'll do my, do my best to keep it. Um, but, you know, honestly, that all sprung from my meditation practice starting that Mindful Writing Center because uh, one thing I ask myself every day as part of my meditation practice is ask myself, you know, what is my purpose? What am I meant to do in service to the world? And what kept coming back to me was sharing my passions, my knowledge, and my insights, and certainly writing and mindfulness is one of them. Well, very good. We're very excited about that, and I'm sure that uh, our writers and uh, everybody involved here are going to be uh, uh, checking that out, and uh, it's certainly cheaper than a weekend retreat uh, with Deepak Chopra, so uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll take advantage very true. of that. Very true. <laughs> Although both are very, very good. Uh, the book is uh, called The Ken Commandments. We're very excited. We've got a couple of copies uh, that we're going to be giving away, but uh, please, uh, if you don't happen to grab one of those two copies, uh, please do uh, purchase this book. It's it's very good and uh, very insightful. Ken, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to hopefully uh, talking to you again as uh, you continue to make this uh, lifelong journey. Thank you. If you would like to get a copy of The Ken Commandments, you can do so by going to livehappynow.com. And while you are tooling around the Internet there, let us know what you thought. You can find us on Twitter at livehappy, facebook.com slash livehappy, or by sending us an email, podcast at livehappy.com. That's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been J.R. Houston saying so long, and thank you for helping us to live happy.